everybody. This is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan FM Over 40 and Her Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Christine Dunn, who is a consultant and business coach who works one-on-one with clients to help them sort of increase their impact and decrease how much they have to work. It is the holy grail, everybody. The one resource we all have equal access to is time, and it's really the currency of the wealthy. That's what, you know, once people have a business going, they want to get their time back. And so that's what Christine helps you do. Um, I'm excited for you to know her. Uh, I actually met her at Mishfest uh, one year. I saw her, her, her former business name was The Lesbian Love Guru, which is a very memorable name. And I was like, what even is that when I saw it in the program? And uh, I just met her walking through the crafts area and uh, really hit it off, really enjoyed, um, you know, just her energy. Honestly, it was just an energetic thing. I thought that she was super smart, knew what she was talking about and had a very good personal touch. And, um, and then, you know, collaborated a little bit on my, if you're an old blog reader of mine, you probably saw me writing about her. Um, and now I'm excited. She's doing coaching, uh, one-on-one with clients again in a, in a different, uh, format. We talk about her journey in business and entrepreneurship on this episode. And I think most valuable, honestly, I mean, I can't say what's going to be most valuable for you, but for anybody out there, who's an introvert, who thinks that that is keeping them from, uh, actually moving forward with their dreams, especially, you know, and introversion and extroversion. I talk about this in the episode. It's just like a, how we recharge our energy. But what is very empowering is actually learning that um, introversion doesn't actually have to keep you from doing anything. It's just learning how to manage your energy, manage your self-care and manage your priorities and your time. Um, and I'm really inspired by how Christine, who is uh, on a scale of one to 10 as an introvert, is a 12 self-identified, uh, really manages to do that. Um, so I'm excited for you to hear from Christine. Uh, But first, I just want to give you a few little announcements. Uh, So first and foremost, um, the best way to support this podcast is through my Patreon. Patreon is a website that allows creators like me to create membership benefits for folks like you who want to support our work. Um, This podcast is fully funded by my Patreon. And honestly, like this was just kind of like a side thing to support part of my work. But since the corona, it is my main source of income. So I am like almost a fully supported artist via Patreon. I'm so grateful to my Patreon supporters at any level, two bucks, five bucks a month, all the way up through my coaching clients. Um, And uh, my flagship membership is at the $25 a month level. You get access to uh, weekly online aerobics classes. Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics is for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too much, too fat or felt too awkward to dance. This is the supportive class for you. It's a mashup of line dances, sing-alongs, choreography, and just good old-fashioned 80s dance aerobics. Um, I think it's super fun. And honestly, like 80% of it is mindset. Like it's really about learning that mindset of empowerment and loving yourself exactly as you are. We are there to connect to the bodies we have today, not the body you had 10 years ago, not the body you think you should have, but this body right now. Um, and so you can join me for that. Um, every month you have, or every week you have six classes available to you. It used to be four, now it's six. Um, there's always a 10 minute, a 20 minute, a 45 minute and a 55 minute class available. Now there's a second 55 minute class and I'm cycling in chair classes because I had a, um, a client who asked for more chair modeling. And um, so I'm trying to figure out like how to incorporate that into my filming schedule, but I have older video classes that have like either someone in a chair or part of the whole routine is in a chair. So I'm, I'm trying to like figure out how to cycle that in. But um, anyway, I'd love to make useful content for y'all and that is available. Another benefit I just created for my Patreon is any level of support. You get access to my live Zoom classes for free. I have only taught uh, aerobics on Zoom a couple of times, and it was through live stream uh, work with collaborations with other organizations since the corona started. And I am bravely stepping into figuring out how to do a Zoom class on my own and like be the, I call it like the DJ, but I think it's really more like a stage manager um, of my own class while I'm running a class. It's a, it's a lot to teach aerobics um, in like, it's a lot to just teach aerobics, right? But then it's also a lot to teach aerobics and be your own DJ. And then now I'm teaching aerobics, being my own DJ and running a Zoom. So I'm gonna, we're going to figure it out together. Um, 
you can buy those tickets if you just want to like one off come to one of my Zoom aerobics classes. You can totally get those um, at fatkiddanceparty.com or, um, you know, the tickets are there. But, you know, join my Patreon. It's a huge discount uh, for you to just join the Patreon. So any level, every dollar counts to supporting this work, um, making the world safe for people to love themselves. And I'm just super grateful to be supported by so many cool people. Um, Everyone I've met who's on my Patreon is awesome. So, you know, thank you. And I really appreciate you. Uh, and one other thing that's being supported by my Patreon is my blog, my dusty blog that I hadn't really been using for a while, queerfatfem.com. Um, it's uh, got tons of archives uh, dating back to 2008 when I started it. And um, and I hadn't been blogging for a while, kind of like as a, I, I would say it's a byproduct of my gay divorce. Uh, it's like, you know, I had so much on there for my old relationship and I was like, ugh. Um, but I was inspired recently um, to start blogging from the emerging paradigm, right? Like we're in this great uprising where we're talking a lot about racial justice and really working to dismantle big systems that will take a lot of work to get to it. And I was really impacted by someone saying like, what will you tell your kids about what you did during this time? And, you know, for me, I think justice work is ongoing. Um, I know that self-care is one of the most important things you can do for justice work, because if you burn out, you are of no help to anyone. So just figuring out how to incorporate that into my everyday, um, you know, and I've had, I have been doing that, but now I'm like more consciously doing it. And part of that is writing letters to my future children from this emerging paradigm. It's also just a really unique and interesting time in history. And I really just want to remember all the little things and the things that I'm finding, the conversations that are inspiring me and the the amplifying Black voices and all of that. So um, I've been doing that over at queerfatfem.com. It feels so vulnerable to be writing to my future kids. I don't have kids. For those of you who know, who, who follow me for a while, uh, I don't have kids. I don't have a partner, um, but like, and I fully intend to have kids with a partner. So I'm just like, kind of like, you know, moving forward on the work I know I'm supposed to be doing in this world, um, impacting as well as I can. And also just like really holding out hope and, and centering um, my future children as part of my why, like uh, start with why is a big thing in the entrepreneurial world, right? Like centering your why. And like, that's the why that makes me cry is like when I think about my future kids and like, what I, what kind of world I want to create for them and like what kind of person I want to be for them. And frankly, like when my um, domain renewal and hosting fees were due uh, for my blog, which is a WordPress site, it's different from like, I spend probably like at least 500 bucks a year just on hosting alone for multiple websites. And uh, I was really, I really contemplated deleting it. Cause I was like, eh, am I going to pay for this hosting again? Um, but then I was like, then I, I had a thing go through where my credit, I was going to try to move it to a different credit card. And, um, you know, I kind of maxed out, I kind of, I actually maxed out my credit cards trying to stay in LA after my ex left. So I'm still juggling credit card debt, uh, quite a bit. And, um, but I, uh, ended up paying for the hosting renewal and I was like, well, I guess that decision's made. And I'm kind of glad cause I want my kids someday, like when I pass away, like say I die young, which is totally possible, right? Like if I, but who knows, right? We never know how many days we have. It really like occurred to me. I was like, wow, if I die young, I want my kids to know who I was as an adult, even before they were around. So I was just like, kind of glad that I have this, like, I have a memoir that's like 90% finished. Um, and it's really just waiting for a great editor to help me finish it and get it to the finish line. Um, and I also have this, these blog archives and kind of the, all of my past, uh, historical archives of, of my work as an artist and, um, a writer and a healer and a performer. Um, and so I'm, I'm really kind of glad to have that just for my kids to have it, you know, so they can, you know, when they're adults and they want to get to know me, um, they can do that. Or, you know, if I pass away, right. I think that's something we don't really talk about or think about or want to, cause it's uncomfortable. But now that I've been an adult who's had so many people I love pass away young, I'm like, well, mortality is real and I'd rather be prepared than not. And it just became, I don't know. It was an inspiration about a week and a half ago and I just took action on it. So I've been writing in my blog for over a week um, every day, just a little letter to just to kind of like center uh, my values in this and like, you know, reflect on what's going on and, uh, and just this really interesting special time and, and really just amplifying like the cool racial justice stuff that's, that's happening. So 
If you're interested in that, that's fully funded by Patreon because that's how I managed to pay those hosting fees. Um, and uh, so you can check that out at queerfatfem.com. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can uh, find that. You can support the Patreon through patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. And without further ado, come tuck into the, the the porch with us, the metaphysical porch, sitting on a chair. Imagine pulling up your favorite blanket. Me and Christine are on the porch. We're chatting with you. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey. Good to be here. Thanks, Kevin. Hey. <laughs> okay. So, um, well, let's start out. I just want you to like tell us, um, cause you're really good at business speeches, like about, um, talking about what you do and, um, and honestly like training other people how to do that for themselves. And, um, I would love for you to just tell me like what it is that you're doing right now in this incarnation of your coaching career. Ah, thank you. Well, there's no pressure, right? No pressure. I'm, I'm like good at this. No pressure at this. <laughs> So perfect. Well, my <laughs> sorry, sorry for that setup. <laughs> yeah, the setup is this person is a master at this, and I'm gonna be like, um, I help people. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate that. So uh, I help businesses get out of overwhelm and uh, increase revenue in the simplest, most efficient ways possible. Uh, my big, uh, my big goal is to help business owners who are kind of stuck in that hustle and grind, get out of the hustle and grind, get their lives back, but still be able to scale and grow their businesses and make more revenue and, and, you know, impact more customers. So that's my, um, that's my newest incarnation of my business life as a consultant doing that. Oh my God, you nailed it. Like that was like three sentences, solid. First sentence was fire. Like, and it, it identified the problem. You are very good at this, Christine. I don't want you to downplay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I mean, like, it's, it, it takes a long time to figure out how to talk about yourself. And we were just talking about, like, uh, figuring out ways. I think you're the perfect person to have this business because we were just talking about being introverts or, like, I'm an introvert. I'm an ambivert. So I do, I get energy well from people, people who I know and really love and trust. That's when I get energy from them. And then I'm also an introvert because I'm an only child and I recharge by myself. So like have, but like adapting your life to figure out how to not be limited by anything. Um, and like, I've seen introverts like become incredibly good people, people, but they have to work at it. Right. Cause it's not natural and it's not how they recharge. So it's about like identifying your self care and making sure you do that. And when you're getting business owners, their time back, you're helping people get their self care which I think is like what actually helps move people forward in business and life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, too, it's like helping people create the life that they want. Right. Because so many times, and I, I've been in multiple businesses now um, where I've been in the hustle and grind where my business took over my life. And, you know, it's like, I was making all these concessions, like not going out with my friends, not doing this or that, not, uh, you know, uh, you know, at one point I wanted to move to a different city, but I was like, I felt like I couldn't do it because I was so wrapped up in my business. And uh, what I really think is like getting your life back as a business owner, because you put so much time and effort into this. And it's so easy to get so wrapped up in like, oh, you got to do this thing or that thing. And um, a lot of people want to write a book or they want to spend more time with their family or they're sick of missing ball games, uh, sick of missing going out with their friends, or they just want to sleep more. <laughs> like, you know, just like, oh, I'd love to sleep in sometime or... Uh, you know, I was telling you before about how I have this little farm and, you know, like I love to go out and spend time with my, my animals and stuff. And uh, I wouldn't be able to do that if I was still in the same hustle and grind that I was, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. And I think like people um, need that balance. And when you work for yourself, it is so easy to work 24 seven because nothing gets done if you don't do it. And it's really, really hard to know what's the priority to do. Um, I think that's something that honestly, like most people who are business owners in the thick of running their business don't have the vision to be able to see what's the important thing to focus on. And so the distraction becomes doing everything and then you're not giving your best to the thing that's your best producer, right? Like, and so I think someone like you, um, who has that kind of bird's eye view 
that can say like, oh, hey, here's some ways that we can buy your time back. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, it used to be that, you know, before we had all these online businesses and there was this push to be online, even if you had a brick and mortar business, there used to be pretty much a limited amount of things that you'd be able to do with your business. You know, you, you, you kind of, you know, uh, you know, for my parents, like they had a business where after dark, there really wasn't much to do. It was kind of outside, you know, and so it's like, you couldn't really work 24 seven, but now we have our computers, you know, there's, oh, there's always the next new thing to be doing online, the new way to market, the new way to do this. My website needs that. There's just so many different things that you could be moving in the direction of. And then you have, you know, if you have a team, you have a virtual team. And so you can be, you know, uh, I know I've been on some virtual teams where we had people all over the world. We had people, you know, in the Philippines and in India, we had people in, you know, Canada and, and just, you know, all these different places where people are in different time zones. So you can jump on something like Slack and someone's on there. And the next thing you're going to be like, Hey, did you do this? Did you do that? Or they send you an email in the middle of the night because they're in a different time zone. And it is just really, really hard to kind of create those boundaries for yourself and to know what's, yeah, what's the most important focus. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, I know you were raised in an entrepreneurial household. Will you talk a little bit about like what it was like growing up with an entrepreneur and then becoming an entrepreneur yourself? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in my family. We lived in a, a really rural, um, really rural town, and my parents had like a used car lot, and then we expanded. We had like a second location, and so we were always in this kind of entrepreneur lifestyle. And I think. I was thinking about that today. I think 90, 95% of every family interaction just had to do about the business. Like every dinner we talked about the business, talked about what was going on, talked about customers, talked about what we were doing the next day or what we did that day. Um, it was just like constant, you know, me and my brothers all worked there. So we just grew up and it was just so natural for us to, you know, talk business, right? And so it was also a natural transition. Every one of us ended up opening our own businesses. And uh, you know, it was really kind of fascinating to get, kind of grow up in that and see, um, you know, see the choices that my parents had to make um, in their businesses because they were totally in the hustle and grind. Um, they were totally, you know, like putting in tons of hours, especially when they opened the new location, just tons and tons of hours. And, um, and I, don't, I don't think it, it actually increased our income a ton, um, which is really interesting because I, I see that a lot with entrepreneurs where they, um, they add a second location or they add a new product or program or something like that, but their income doesn't really move a lot because suddenly like, you know, different things shift, the ships away from things that were making money shifts away from, you know, the marketing they used to be doing or something like that. Like, you know, your energy shifting, your, your attention shifting. And I feel like that was really happening for them um, when they were doing that. So it was really, it was really interesting to kind of grow up like that and, and have that kind of vocabulary and experience. Do you think that it was, um, uh, it took something away from you that like so much of the focus at home was on business. Yeah, that was definitely challenging because I was also the youngest. So mm -hmm. I was the youngest by eight years. So oh. in a lot of ways, I was kind of an only child growing up because uh, my parents worked at, you know, the businesses throughout the day. So, you know, in the summertime, they would often leave me home alone at like, I think an age that you wouldn't really leave kids home alone anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I had my, like, I lived out in the middle of the country, you know, it felt pretty safe. Uh, my aunt and uncle kind of lived across the street. Um, but yeah, so I was home alone a lot, which was also fine because I was an introvert. Like it didn't really bother me that much. Uh, but yeah, there definitely was, um, yeah, where, where normal families would probably have a little bit more family time and more conversations about what's going on, you know, in school or something like that. We didn't have that so much. And, uh, you know, because he had a, we had this business, you know, we would make plans to go out on Sunday and go to brunch and go and do different things. But we always had to stop at the office. And then I'd be sitting in the car for like an hour or two. And it would just be like, I remember just being so like bummed out about that. Like, we could be out doing something. Like, you really have to be here. You're here every other day. You come home late to dinner every night. Like, we really have to be here on Sunday too. Mm -hmm. um, Wow. It's amazing that like, basically it's like, if only you could teleport yourself back to your childhood and coach your parents. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe we do. I'll just coach our parents. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and ourselves. Cause I totally and was ourselves. doing that too. Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I teach what I most needed to learn and still need to learn. Um, which is self-care in case anyone doesn't know. Um, I, okay, so tell me a little bit about like your 
embarking into business? Because you went to college first. You didn't just like run out into the entrepreneurial world. Yeah, I did go to college first. I was going to be like, um, it's kind of funny because I just didn't do my research very well. I wanted to be this big like Hollywood director. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go make movies and be this big Hollywood director. So I went to the school that had a film program, but I got there and I was like, what the hell is this? It was an experimental film program. It taught you like, it was like avant-garde film. And I was like, okay, this is not really what I was picturing. But I ended up, you know, like you kind of, you know, life has a way of setting you up to be in experiences that are really going to help you grow. So that ended up being totally fine. I had a lot of fun there. I ended up double majoring and doing anthropology too, which I would have never planned on ever. So, um, but I kind of realized as I was uh, graduating that I probably wasn't going to pursue either one of them after graduation. And at the same time, my brother was starting to buy real estate. And he invited me to start buying real estate and managing his properties. And so I built a property management company and we worked together um, buying real estate and managing properties in two different cities. And that's when I started to really build uh, my first big business. That's awesome. And tell me, because I know in that business, you kind of, you started getting your time back and you started like automating and figuring that out. So tell me more about the process of like figuring out that you needed more time and you needed to automate. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what I realized, so this was how I was kind of doing it is we had properties in two different cities. So we lived in two different cities. My brother lived in one city and I lived in the other city and I was managing all the properties there and building a property management company. And I owned a bunch of properties in the city that he was in. So I would drive three hours every week, go up there and work, you know, 16, 18 hour days and uh, do that for two or three days and then drive back and then run my management company and do repairs and renovations and stuff in that city. So I was just doing that and uh, trying to, you know, buy more property and just trying to build this business. And at the same time, I was finding that I was like incredibly depressed. I didn't have any friends. Um, all I was doing was working. I was drinking way too much because I'd be so stressed out. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, you know, my health was suffering. All that was suffering and I was miserable. And I kind of realized in my late 20s, after doing this for years, um, that I actually hated that business. I, I hated the way I was feeling in that business. And um, I was totally miserable. And so I started to look at it. And I was like, well, I'm kind of stuck here because I built this up. I'm kind of, you know, I felt really stuck in, uh, I've already built this business. I'm making a lot of money off of it. I, it it's given me freedom in the fact that I, I'm making good money. You know, bought a house, bought a nice truck. You know, I was able to travel a bit. Um, so I was like, what can I start to do? And I figured out that I could easily leverage a few different things. Like I could hire people. And my, my deal when I was hiring people is I was like, I'm gonna hire the best person I can. And then if I can teach them how to do at least 80%, make the decisions that I would make at least 80% of the time, I'd be happy. You know, if 20% of the time they made a decision differently than I would like to, I can accept that because I'm gonna get my life back. And so I started hiring people in a few like critical areas in my business start training them really well. Anytime they made a decision that was different than I wanted, I would just sit down with them and be like, hey, in the future, I'd like you to do this differently. And I would just continue to train them and work with them. And they also knew that I was trying to get my time back. So they started suggesting things to me. They're like, you know, the software we have could actually generate more reports for you. You could be doing less of this manually. You could be doing that. And, and I rewarded them, you know, for doing stuff like that. Like I'd give them raises, I, you know, make it, um, I, I made it, try to make a really good environment for them to live in. And so as I started doing stuff like that and getting more of my time back, um, you know, that was really the key was just figuring out what, what assets and resources I already had and then what I could put into place. And once I started doing that, I actually very quickly was able to move from working about 50 to 60 hours a week to working about 10 hours a week. Amazing. Yeah. And you were still like, even with hiring people, you were still generating the revenue you wanted to do. Yeah. I was actually then able to grow a bit. Because I had really great systems at that point. It was no longer me trying to do all the paperwork, me trying to do all the stuff. I had people and I could easily leverage those people to bring in more business. So I started bringing in more business that covered the employees I had. And I was still making about the same amount of money that I was making before working. You know, what's that? 20% of the time? Wow. That's awesome. Um, so you, um, and then from that business, that was when you kind of started really getting into Tony Robbins and self-development and like that, and that work is what shifted you into wanting to become a coach, right? 
and I remember being that way. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had always kind of been into the Tony Robbins stuff. My, my dad had a bunch of the, the CDs, Personal Power too. Oh my God. Yeah, he had those CDs. Yeah. I actually think he had the tapes first and then he had the CDs. And so I actually had those during college. I was starting to listen to those and, you know, I was really into this like personal development, kind of understanding my values and what I wanted to build. And, um, and I think that allowed me to make this like flex, it allowed me to have like flexible thinking. And I think that's one of the things that allowed me to, to see like, I can make a change in my business. Like, I, and also to see like, I don't have to be this miserable because I've watched other people be miserable. And actually that was kind of like, uh, my brother and I, we set up our businesses very differently. I started to leverage my business and he didn't, he felt like he had to keep doing this stuff. And I saw how miserable he continued to be. And he just, you know, he didn't have kind of, I think the same resources that I did because I started this personal development journey that he wasn't really on. And so, you know, my, th my thinking got really flexible. I was able to more critically look at what I was doing. Um, and I was also able to be like, uh, I want to plan my life differently. I started to be really empowered with like the choices that I'm making are creating my life path. So if I start making some different choices, I can create a different life path. And that stuff just, yeah, Tony Robbins stuff is just, I've done a lot of different personal development. Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you listen to Zig Ziglar. He's hilarious to listen to. Uh, he is just like the funniest. He's like, if you've got to eat a bullfrog, you don't want to look at that thing all day. You just want to eat the bullfrog, which is like, you want to do the worst task. Um, <laughs> He said such a funny way of saying things. So I started listening to, you know, all this personal development, started reading a lot of books and started to realize that I had a lot more power um, than I thought I did. Um, and that, that really helped. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So you, so you were kind of like already in that before you were in your, your real estate business. So what was like the shift that kind of like told you, okay, now I need to like move my path more towards helping other people. Yeah. So I was in like, uh, in my thirties, I think it's like one of those things where you turn an age, like, uh, you know, we were just talking about, we, we both turned 41 this year. And so it was like when I was turning 30, you know, and I turned 30 and I had just like bought my house and I just remember sitting at my dining room table and my friends were all hanging out, you know, on my birthday and they were all having a great time. And I just remember feeling like kind of melancholy and being like, you know, it's great that I have this stuff. It's great that I have this cool house. It's great that I have these friends. It's like, but I just don't feel very fulfilled and satisfied. And, uh, and so I started thinking about that more like, oh my gosh, I just don't feel fulfilled and satisfied. And I started doing um, Tony Robbins Master University, which is cool. You get to do like, I think it's three different seminars. If you want to, you can go to Fiji and, do his, and stay at his resort, um, which I did. And that was, that was just amazing. And it was there when I was at that resort. Um, the woman on stage, because uh, Tony Robbins doesn't lead all those. So he doesn't lead the, the Fiji one unless you go to a special one that he leads. Uh, the woman on stage was, you know, one of his main coaches and uh, she was working with, I think there's maybe like 40 people there. So it was, felt very intimate. And I just like, she was telling us all these coaching stories and I had already had a coach with Tony Robbins. And I remember when I had that coach, I was thinking, wow, what an amazing thing that she gets to do. Like how lucky is she that she gets to do this with people? Like, this is so cool. And I'm listening to this woman on stage talking about coaching. I'm like, wait a minute, couldn't I just decide to start doing this? It was like, I was like, duh. Like, of course you can just like decide that you want to have a different career path. And, um, and that, and during that, that weekend, you know, when it, if you do Tony Robbins stuff, you always step into something, you always step into this, step into that, you know, step in your power here, shift your identity. And you're like writing all that stuff. And uh, that was one of the things that I stepped into. It was like, I'm going to become a coach. And like, this is going to be my, my next, I want to help people. This is going to be my next career. And that's why I really made that choice. Yeah. So that was a fun plane ride home from Fiji where I was like, coach. Yeah. It's really, it's like, I totally get that plane ride. I've had plane rides where I was just like really feeling my power or feeling like the shift that I made from whatever trip that was. Like it was, yeah, like it's, it's, it's an amazing, it's, it's like a fire, you know, like that gets lit in you when, when you realize there's like, oh, there's this new path or this like door opens up because usually I mean often I, I won't say usually but often life communicates to you or corrects you by slapping you down <laughs> breaking you down so you can have a breakthrough and then sometimes you get a breakthrough on a trip to Fiji you know what I mean like and things yes. can be pretty good <laughs> yes well I think I've been getting the like breakdown for a while and I just like was yeah. not paying attention to it um yeah Tony talks about that a bit he says you know first uh the universe will send you a feather and then they'll send you a brick and they'll like send you a truck they'll like smack you into like doing the thing you're supposed to do 
um, but yeah, it felt so, it felt so aligned when you, when you find that new path for yourself, it can just be like so energizing and so aligning and you know that you're moving in the right direction then. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. Um, okay. So while we're talking, so your first coaching business was lesbian love guru, right? Yes. Yes. I was doing so relationship coaching. Yes. Relationship coaching. So first let's like rewind and just tell your coming out story. Cause I told Christine, uh, before the podcast, it's pride month. We have to tell the, the coming out stories. So just tell me yes. what it was like to come out for you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a child of the the nineties. And so I, I graduated from high school in the late nineties and I grew up in this really rural small town. And so, you know, uh, it, there was no gay people in my, in my school. There's no gay, you know, like those, you would see stuff on TV where there was like a gay rights march or anything, but you didn't know any gay people. And, you know, the, the business that my parents were in, you know, like people were pretty derogatory about gay people and stuff. So it didn't feel like a safe environment and people's school would be very derogatory. Um, and uh, so I went away to college and I kind of fell in love with my college roommate. And luckily she fell in love with me too. Um, and we ended up, uh, hooking up after spring break on her second year in college uh and she came out as bi and I came out as gay uh after we hooked up and I was like not willing to acknowledge it before that that I was like interested in girls at all I was like really like in the closet to myself and all that and then she kissed me and then I was like okay I'm done I really like this you know <laughs> so um we kind of uh we hid it from our families for a while but within about a month of us uh, we started coming out to our friends and we didn't actually have any gay friends at college either, but we, we had these really close friends and we started coming out to them. And it was, it was fascinating because several of them came out and said either that they were gay or that they were bi. And it was like, Whoa, we like surrounded ourselves with these people and we didn't even know it. And we were all hiding our identities. You know, we were all hiding this part of ourselves. So that was like kind of a like eye opening for me. Um, uh, to have that experience. And then when I did come out to my parents, I did it right before I was driving back to school for Christmas break. I'd, I'd been home uh, and I was going to be driving back to school. And I remember I was coming in after dinner and I was like, I need to talk to you. And I started like crying and stuff. And I just like ran into the bathroom. Um, and my parents were like, Oh my God, what happened? They're, like banging on the bathroom door. They're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I just kind of opened up the door and I was like, I'm gay and I'm dating Liz. <laughs> and they were like, oh, we like Liz. Uh, and they were like, Whew. they were like kind of relieved. And this might be a great way to come out to people because they thought I was going to say I was dying or that, I, or that I had something seriously wrong with me. So it's kind of like almost a relief. Oh, you're just gay and you're dating someone. Uh, so, so that's like the actual point there. Make it seem like it's going to be way worse. And then it's just like, you're just gay. And it's, yeah. It's okay. So yeah. But my brother didn't believe me when I told him. Because uh, uh, he's also gay and he hadn't come out yet to my parents. And so he did not believe me. I called him up that night and I was like, I came out to mom and dad. And he's like, you did not. And I don't think he believed me for like a week. It's like, you didn't. No. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, that's that is really funny. Um, I also love that you have a gay sibling. Because like, I don't want to say that like there's a gay gene. Just because like, I and, and I, you know, if gay was a choice, I'd be gayer. You know, but like... <laughs> But also, you know, as a person who has like a gay mom and a gay cousin or several gay second cousins, like I'm like, and, and I see a lot of people who are siblings who's, who have siblings who are also like queer or whatever. Like, it's kind of cool, like to have it be in the family. Cause then it's like, I don't, I know that I had an easier time coming out to my extended family because my mom had come out before and you know what I mean? So like they had, they, they have to cut their teeth. And then I think some people realize wisely that they're going to lose these people they love if they don't come around. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I have noticed that there are some gay siblings. It does seem to be a little bit of a thing, whether or not there's a gene, if there's a gene, it's a fabulous gene. Mm -hmm. um, so. It is a fabulous gene. It's making the world better. Um, it is. So tell me about Lesbian Love Guru, the first iteration of your coaching. Yeah. So when I first started coaching, I was really, there's two reasons why I went in that, that direction. One of the reasons was, is I was so miserable in my current business that I did not want to be a business coach. I was like, I do not want to talk to anyone about business ever again. You know, I was like kind of in that attitude. Cause that's like where, where I was emotionally about being in business. 
Um, and the other piece was that I was really drawn to helping people create really great relationships. And, um, and I was in a really great relationship at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to help other people. And that coach who was at the, at the Tony Robbins thing in Fiji, she had went through a divorce that year. And she was talking about how this is the first time she'd been up on stage. And, and her and I had a great conversation. I was like, oh my God, I'd love to help people. Like, cause it's just such a big part of people's lives. Love, you know, love is like the place where most people, you know, find a lot of meaning and fulfillment. And so, you know, I, I just like felt really instantly drawn to that. It's like helping people create relationships, uh, great relationships. And uh, my, my, my intention was to work with couples and helping couples create great, great relationships. And this is like a good little like business, like learning here that I, I learned doing this was that you have this intention about what your business is going to be about. And then you start marketing, you start talking. I did a lot of YouTube videos and stuff like that. And the people that started hiring me and that were drawn to me were actually singles who wanted the relationship I was talking about. So that was really fascinating that like, you know, how I was marketing, what I was saying was actually uh, bringing in a totally different tribe than I thought it was going to bring in. Um, so yeah, that was the first business I started out and as a coach was doing that. Wow. That's awesome. And then um, what was, tell me about like kind of the path that meandered you into now coaching businesses. Yeah. So um, I kind of came back around to uh, being a business coach uh, because I got invited to be on someone's team as a coach um, to, to be coaching um, their students. And they were teaching, they were doing like a year long mentorship program and, and uh, teaching people how to build their businesses. So I got invited to be on this coaching team. And I was like, oh yeah, because I, I know a lot of business, you know, I'd love to help do this. I've been building my coaching business for years. Uh, we were working a lot with, with coaches, consultants, service-based business owners, you know, so like masseuses, things like that. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to help people, you know, learn some of the things that I've been doing and, and have some success there. And so I started doing that. And then that grew into me uh, being the head coach on the team and then building their sales team, their coaching team. And then eventually I became their program director and I became their lead trainer and their COO. And so, you know, that kind of like grew into now I'm running this, these programs, they're all about teaching people about business. Uh, and I really loved it. And it just felt like such a natural progression. Like I felt like the lesbian love guru stuff was like, just no longer the right fit for me anymore. And it felt like there was this new path that was opening up. And I feel like that, you know, doing that first thing as coaching, doing relationship coaching, it's gave me a lot of understanding about the industry, but it also gave me like, um, it's almost like a waiting room or a, uh, you know, a place to like a soft landing to get out of my other business and get out how I was feeling. I, was, I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed the people I worked with um, that I feel like it helped me get to this point where I'm now working with people in businesses. Cause I think that this is really where my, um, where my genius is and where I have a ton to help people. Uh, and I just think I needed to go through a transition to be able to get here. Yeah, totally. I'm curious. I want to talk about endings because I think a lot of us, especially who are like multi-passionate entrepreneurs, um, like really, you know, you have a thing you love doing and then like another path opens up. It's really hard to know when to end the thing you did love doing. And that was so entrenched in like your identity or that other people knew you were doing. Like, how do you like end and then shift? Yeah. So I've had that happen a few times, as many of us had, you know, gone through some sort of transition. With uh, the Lesbian Love Guru coaching, that was kind of like, I started spending more time over in this area, and I stopped spending so much time over there. And at some point, I was just like, I'm just going to close down this website, because why do I keep paying for it? Because I'm not actually doing this anymore. So that one was more of like one of those fade outs, uh, uh, transitions. Um, at that company that I was working at, where I was the COO, um, that I got really burned out and I realized there was no longer a good situation for me. And it was like going through a breakup. Like I was like crying about it. It took me a month to come to the conclusion that I needed to leave that business and, and leave that job. And, um, yeah, so that, but it, you know, you have to look, I think you have to look at two things. Uh, I think you have to look at like how, what the effect is on you and what the next possibilities can be or, and, and it was, you know, I could feel the energy of like, this is not the right thing for me. But like, there was such a strong desire to stay in that identity. I had so many, you know, colleagues and friends and, and clients that knew me from there. Um, and plus, I was just having a blast. I was able to do a ton of, uh, ton of really high level stuff, being be in the back, back end of someone's business, but also be working with a lot of business owners on the front end, teaching them and training them. Um, 
but I just, you know, ultimately I felt like it was just not the place for me to be anymore. And I had to kind of step into this unknown of like, cut is like cutting the cord. And it was, it was a rocky transition. I remember I cried like daily about it. It felt like a breakup. It totally felt like a breakup. Yeah. It was really intense. Wow. It might've been, I mean, I think like what's interesting too, is like, we don't give ourselves the emotional bandwidth around business to understand like that, like, these relationships we have and these connections and these spaces actually hold a lot of meaning for us, especially when we go, you know, you were telecommuting a lot, but also traveling and going places to this thing and like being around a team and connecting and like it is, it is a lot like a breakup, you know, like it's, and also like, especially like with the economic portion of it, like for me, I would say like the, obviously the emotions were hard in my last big gay divorce, but like the, the economics of it were actually way harder for me because like we were so entangled and we were a team and like we were both entrepreneurs together and like very mutually connected and supported and like kind of being without that support was really hard so I can imagine that like I can totally see breakup feels like big time from a big job especially a big emotionally invested job too it's not like you were just like working at Starbucks yeah 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 and I had built you know that business had been at a certain size when I came into it and I built a lot of that, you know, I'd, I'd been a big support system in building that business. So it did feel like I was like leaving kind of like my baby too. I was like, leaving my, I helped build this stuff. I helped create this momentum. Um, and I think the other big piece of it is the like identity shift. It's like my identity was so tied up in being the COO for this company and what I built there and how people had seen me. And I didn't really know what the next transition was going to look like. I didn't know like, you know, if I was going to be at the same level, I didn't know if I was going to have that same kind of like status almost. And I was like, I really liked that. Like that felt really good. Uh, and so it's kind of hard for my ego to make that transition too. And for me to kind of cut that piece of my identity off and be like, like, this is not serving me anymore. How did you do that ego work? Like, how did you, how'd you do that? Um, I think, you know, I think some of it was the crying. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to be this. I'm just get this up. Um, yeah, so I think there's like that kind of like little tantrum about it, you know, that, that I was going through. Uh, but I was so, you know, I was, I was physically getting ill at that point with burnout. And I, you know, burnout is a real thing. Like that is like, until you experience it, like you just have no idea. Like my thinking was muddled, like I, my, my health was going downhill. Like I was not, I'm usually pretty sharp. I, I could tell that I was not as sharp as I normally am. And um, so the, it was like a really... I probably needed that to say no. Like I probably needed to be like at that kind of like brick wall, you know, like you cannot keep going. Um, but I think, other, I think the other thing that really helped him is recognizing what's happening. It's just naming it and saying it to people. It's like, man, this is really hard for me because like I'm used to being this thing. I'm used to having like the status. I'm used to having this identity and I'm really like, it, it hurts to think that I'm not gonna be that anymore. Um, so I think, I think that naming it and just allowing yourself to feel bad about it um, helps. It doesn't really feel that great. It's not like there's no easy fix to it, but it, it helped. It helped. It didn't get stored up. Yeah, totally. And I think also like status is about external validation. And I think a lot of spiritual work is just learning how to be okay without external validation and like to really find your, um, your power and your esteem from your source energy and from the connection to source that you already have right now. Um, similar to like people putting off living their dreams till they get to a certain size or people putting off living their dreams because they're like, I'm too old or I'm too whatever, right? Like that's like really needing external validation in order to do what's really on your heart and like what's your next path. Um, but I always, I have a lot of like esteem for people who are willing to take a leap um, into the unknown because like you can always measure what you'll lose but you can't measure what you'll gain uh when you're leaping away from something you know that isn't serving you anymore yeah yeah and i've learned um i've learned over the years that the universe always provides and it's been it's just been fascinating to see how much that happens because i gave my notice and within i think three or four days i had a new job uh, making I think I was making about the same amount of money or a little bit, maybe a little bit more within like three or four days I had a new job um, and that was like and I just I have seen that happen so many times in my life where it's like you know if I've ripped off the pantate if I've made the jump 
if I've been like, well, I don't know how this is going to work, but it's somehow going to work for me. And somehow it always works for me. Like, you know, I bought houses that I had no idea how I was going to put down the payment for and make the payments on. And it's just like suddenly money will come in or I'll get like a really great payment plan from the mortgage or, um, yeah, just opportunities will open up. Um, but often takes that like leap of faith to get to that point and that, that belief that like, it's gonna, it's gonna be the right thing's gonna happen. And I think that's what I felt too, is like, you know, as hard as this is, and it's, I know that there's something bigger or I know that whatever I'm losing here, I can rebuild because I've done it before or I've seen other people do it. I mean, there are tons, if you start reading books, there are tons of people who went through bankruptcy, who've had divorces, have this, that, terrible, awful things happen to them. And they've gotten exactly back to the same place or better. Um, just time and time again. Yeah, totally. Um, can you talk a little bit about like how your client work goes? Like what can people expect when they're like connecting with you to work with you to, to make, get their time back and, and make their businesses more efficient and fulfilling? Yeah, sure. So what I usually do is I, I, um, I'm not so into this being like a six month to 12 month thing. It's like, I believe that things can happen really fast. And so uh, generally people work with me for about 60 days. And the first thing we do together is we, um, we do kind of a download on your business as I just walk you through and I look at, you know, your different processes that you already have set up. What are you selling? You know, what are your best campaigns? How is your business set up? You know, what are your different sales processes? All that. And we just kind of look through and we look at the numbers and we kind of audit all that. And I look for like the number one thing that you could do right now to add in to either, you know, to either simplify your business to make it more efficient or to increase income right away. Um, and my goal is always for people to get, you know, at least the return on their investment over those 60 days, but often people will make a lot more than that. And then that's something that will be cumulative because it's not just like a one shot deal. Like if we change something in your funnel, for example, and we add in, you know, an order bumper or one click upsell or, or a new uh, offer or something like that, like that's, you're not going to have that. You're not going to be able to continue to have that. And if we simplify your business in a certain way and make it more efficient, that's going to be moving forward that you'll be able to have that. So that's what I'm really looking at is like looking for the number one thing. And then we implement that. And that's like, what's the number one next thing. So it's never like overwhelmed because I mean, that's the worst thing that you need as an entrepreneur. Some to come in with a big checklist of like shit you got to do. It's like, I don't need you to bring me 50 things. Like, bring me one thing that's going to make the biggest difference. And that's really my goal is like one thing that's make the biggest difference. Let's do it. Okay. Now that we've got that settled, let's do the next one thing. Um, so that's really my, my focus with working with people is like make it super simple and like bang for your buck right away in 30 to 60 days. Ooh, I love that. I love that. That's actually brilliant. And um, a lot of the success books and things I read really reiterate that like success isn't about like doing all the things. It's about doing that one thing that's going to make the biggest difference. So that's yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it totally is. And, yeah, it's and like the, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and often we can't, we don't have the sight to see what's the one thing. Um, like we may think because our ego is tied up in this thing that we do or like whatever, like that that's what we should focus on. But I don't think we all necessarily know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard to see. And it's hard to see where things may shift in your business because you may be used to, you know, there being one priority that you're very focused on. And you may not realize that that's actually not the best leverage point anymore in your business. It works great, but now you've transitioned to a different, um, a different season in your business, a different growth level in your business. You've scaled it and that no longer is very important. Um, and so people can't, you can't always see that because you're also like in it, right? You're trying to like, you know, fulfill orders. You're trying to like do customer service. You're trying to take care of your team and you can't always take a step back and look at those pieces. Um, and really know what you're looking for and looking at and what other options are out there. Um, and I found that it's hard for entrepreneurs uh, because of all those reasons to, um, to be able to pinpoint the things that are working and things that are not. So that's one of the things that we do first is we pinpoint like the things that are working the best and the things that aren't. And then you have an opportunity to choose like, do I keep, do I keep doing these things that aren't? Um, you know, cause there's just so many different there's so many different paths that you can take in business and there's all these different shiny objects. Like I, I, my email inbox is probably full of 20 emails today that are most of them contradicting each other about what I should be doing in my business. Right. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so how in the world are you supposed to like unpack that when you're also trying to deliver whatever you're delivering to people? It's like, you can't be an expert in everything. You can't possibly do that. And uh, that's where I found that the entrepreneurs have the biggest challenge is because you never want to miss an opportunity, right? Like, oh, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss something. It's going to be like a great opportunity. Um, and so it can be hard to know what those are and how to best implement them. Yeah. Ugh. And how, and just like, the very basic, how do I do things more effectively so that I can take better care of myself? Because like, for me, like we were talking about buying back our time and we were before this, we were talking about Tony Robbins and his amazing work ethic where he's just like, he doesn't sleep. He runs and runs. He goes to a hundred countries a year. Like he is like beyond busy and that's great for him. And that's his, like his fire. But like, that's not me. Like I can't, I wouldn't, I would burn out doing that. And it's, I need a lot. I want efficient business so that I can do a lot of self-care because that's what I need. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. I like, I got way too many things to do on my farm. Like I, I can't, I love helping people, but that's not what I want to do 24 seven. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to read. I, I read so many books. Like I like, you know, I got to be out doing this stuff. I have a family. Like, um, yeah, I, I just, um, yeah, I can't, I can't be in 24 seven in my business anymore. I don't want that. And most people don't. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about um, your introvert lifestyle. Cause you, you said on a scale of one to 10, you're 12 an introvert, but you're in a people business. So tell me about like, what, what does that look like for you? How did you like get over that introversion in order to like be a functional human? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been challenging, which is, Part of the reason why I live, you know, 40, 50 minutes outside of a major city. I live in the middle of nowhere outside of a major city. And uh, I, uh, I live outside of Austin. I guess I don't have to like hide that I live outside of Austin, Texas, where it's like roasting hot right now. Um, so I live out in the middle of nowhere. I have like uh, a, a little farm, like, a, like 17 acres. Uh, and I have a gate and I have fencing. So that no one can just surprise me by coming onto my property, which I love. Cause like, that's the last thing, like, don't call me, don't knock on my door, like text me or email me. And, and then maybe in a couple of days we'll talk. Uh, Cause I really have to manage those kind of communications because it's so easy for me to get burned out, you know, getting kind of like surprised by people. And so that's one of the things that I do is like, you know, I'm very conscious of when I'm choosing to be out and doing something social. I'm conscious of if I'm going to do a speaking engagement, I'm going to go to an event that I try and do as much self-care as I can moving, uh, you know, leading up to that event, you know, so I try and like, you know, pump up my immune system, spend some time alone, have some downtime, get some really good sleep. You know, if it's possible, I, I make sure that during the event or during when I'm out that I have, uh, you know, places to go to kind of like recharge or I'll go outside. Like I was pretty regularly going to um, events. And so I'd get up early and I'd go out for like a 20 minute walk and listen to music, you know, walk around outside. Because if you're like at a big event at a hotel, like you don't get outside time. Like you walk from your, your room down to the event and you eat in the restaurant in the event and you walk back up to your room. That's it. Yeah. So I try and get myself outside to see like sunshine and stuff. And then after an event or after if I'm socializing all weekend or something like that, uh, then I make sure like the, the next day or the next couple of days, I don't do anything. I have lots of downtime. I don't answer my phone. Like, like unless Leah's calling me pretty much, I'm not gonna like answer my phone. Cause it's like, you know, if she's calling me, it's probably an emergency, but uh, pretty much everything else is probably spam these days. And everyone knows to mostly just text me if they want to talk to me because they know that that's like, yeah, they'll take me off my, off my uh, mojo. If I have to like answer the phone, I, I need to be able to have that downtime. Um, and then for my business, I, uh, you know, for coaching, I try and schedule people on certain days of the week so that I'm only coaching a couple of days a week. Um, and then I'm like, okay, I can up. I'm ready. I'm doing my coach. I can be totally on for people. Uh, I can totally have all my energy there. But if I try and do it like every day or I try and do them like sporadically, it's a little bit harder for me to be like totally on with my energy. Um, so those are a couple of the things that I do. Um. But yeah, it's like the, you know, you talk so much about self-care, but it really is understanding your own energy levels, understanding what works for you, understanding what doesn't, and, um, and then being able to like manage that. And I think I was sharing with you earlier, which I think is what you wanted me to kind of talk about was that uh, I can seem, because I'm such an introvert, I can seem really aloof. 
with people because I can be like really, really shut down because I just, I'm like, I cannot manage like people talking to me right now or, you know, that just takes a lot of energy. But when I'm not, when I do have to go and do speaking or I want to go do speaking or I want to go to an event, then I consciously put on like kind of like my friendly energy and I like step into that. I'm like, I'm going to be like really open with people and be really available to people. Um, and I make that conscious shift. Um, and it really is just kind of like practicing that and realizing, like I realized, I had a few people say like, you don't seem very friendly, you seem very aloof. <laughs> I realized like, oh, that's how I'm coming off because I'm in my introvert mode. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I worked on like being more emotionally, like kind of energetically and energetically available to people. And I love it when I'm on. Um, but then I love kind of turning it off too. Yeah. I mean, I wanted you to talk about all of that. That was great. Um, there's so much in there too, because I think so many folks get really caught up in um, being limited by who they used to be or how they've always been. Um, and you don't have to be, like you can actually be a very friendly, warm person um, in a managed way that doesn't tax all your energy. If you have like self-care that you do, like planning. And, and it's, it's honestly, all of this is evaluated experience. Like you figured out, oh, I'm coming off as aloof. I want to appear more friendly because I actually do like, you actually like people. You're a cancer. You love to connect with people. It's yeah, just, I love people. yeah, but like, you know, and see, and an introvert can love people. It's just introversion and extroversion is how you get your energy source and how you recharge. And I think so many people get caught up in this like notion, well, I'm an introvert, so I could never actually work with people, which is not true. Yeah, no, it's not true. And actually, I would say if you're in like the service-based industry, coach, consultant, like yoga teacher, Reiki master, like anything like that, like I think a lot of those people are introverts. Like I think that that's a natural, uh, not that you can't be an extrovert and ambivert, but I just think it's like a natural, like you want to help people one-on-one because that works really well for your energy. Yeah. And then it's a, it's a really natural career for you. Uh, yeah, I was going to share along those lines. Um, you know, I used to... I, shy and I used to say all the time that I was super shy and I actually took a zero in every one of my college classes because I refused to raise my hand and speak and ask questions I mean I didn't take a zero in the class I took the zero in class for like participation because I was like nope like I was so shy and I was so like I didn't want to be seen like all that stuff and I started getting opportunities when I was in the coaching industry to speak and to get up on stage and I realized how much I was limiting myself and I just was like, no matter what, I'm going to say yes to any time someone offers this to me. And it was just like, so I had made the decision ahead of time. So I didn't have to make the decision in the moment when I was really afraid. I, just, I had to make this. I made, I was like, I'm going to say yes anytime someone offers this to me. So I already had the decision made. And then it was just like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And, um, you know, even something like this, like I had to do some breathing before I get on this podcast. Cause I was like, it still freaks me out a little bit, but it's okay. And it's okay to be a little freaked out and it's, it's okay to still do it. Yeah. I got You've been, you're doing great by the way. I mean, I hope you know, you come off confident. So it's interesting that you are still nervous. This is interesting. Um, but I also, I, I want to totally identify with you. I used to be very terrified to raise my hand in class. And now as an adult, I'm a front row sit person and I'll totally ask a question if I have one because I know as a presenter how essential it is to have that engagement and to have people who are engaged in front row mentality and all of that but as a law student and as an earlier student I hated talking in class but I realized in law school it was gold because if we participated in class we would get a bump up in our grade which like when your grade is one test you take you don't take the zero on participation no you so, don't in anthropology maybe not no. yeah <laughs> in exactly. avant-garde cinema maybe but <laughs> exactly, exactly and it was it was interesting like when i would force myself to raise my hand i would choose i would only ever have to do it once in every class because i would choose something about gay rights because it was right like i went mm -hmm. to law school right in at in 2000 so like gay rights were like very hot and like very controversial and so I would take, the, I would, I would use the gay, the gay sword to fall on and I would just raise my hand, say something either like in defense of LGBT rights, women or minorities, right? In some way. So it was like that one time I had to raise my hand in class. I was very nervous, but it was also like a thing that I believed in. So I used that to propel me through and out of my comfort zone to do the thing that was scary. And then it always paid off. I always ended up with like a better grade because I made that one 
scary moment in class happen. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. You said it that way. That was like, it was almost for other people. And that's the way I feel too, is that like, I started speaking I started asking questions doing that mostly because I wanted to teach other people, not so much for myself. When I was in college and the question would have been for me, I was less motivated to do it. But when the, the comment or the question or the speech was an a, was, it was in service of helping someone else. I was super into it and I was willing to like get over my fear about it. So I think it's too like finding your own leverage. Yeah. You know, are you leveraged for yourself? Are you leveraged for other people? And then how can you use that to like, uh, you know, help yourself get over things. Yeah, totally. I feel like I, I do that because I'm, I have a personal goal to be un- uncomfortable, like do something uncomfortable every day, which like as a person who works from home, like you have to put yourself in positions where you're uncomfortable. And, um, but I do it because it just keeps me moving. And like one of the biggest impetuses, even still today is like, how can I add value? You know, like, how can I serve this person? Um, and like a lot of times it's taking a risk and yeah. getting out of the comfort zone and like, um, it's so interesting. Like I'm, I'm, thanks for, for pointing that out that my leverage on that was other people I'm realizing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well then you can use it. Like I use the, I use it all the time now that leverage to help other people. Um, I had, and I think the part that kind of like, uh, you know, you can, you, you have so many different teachers, right? Um, I listened to this one, uh, she was teaching on marketing and she's a friend of mine. And it was the first time I'd ever like listened to her speak about marketing. And she kind of went down this hole of like, you know, if you're not helping people who are there and need your help, who are suffering, then their blood is on your hands. Like their blood of like, they're suffering. They're not getting this thing that they want, this thing that you need. And for me, that was like, Oh my God, I'm like, Oh, like I'm hurting other people by not being as big as I can be. Mm. And for me, that was like, that was a turning point of like, I needed to get out there and I needed to, to build my business a little bit stronger, market more, be willing to get on stages because, you know, you're letting other people suffer. Uh, so that was a good leverage for me. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's, oh, I love this so much. Christine, you're amazing. Um, what's your website? I'm going to have, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but I always like to shout it out in the podcast in case someone wants Yeah. So I, I created some cool little freebies. Uh, some, well, they're, they're big freebies, some cool webinars for you guys. Um, so if you go to helpmechristine.com backslash Bevin, you can pick like which stage of business you're in. And then there's a, there's a webinar for each stage of business. Cause I work with both people who are, um, who are at the point where they have momentum in their businesses, uh, they're scaling. Uh, but I also have for a long time helped coaches and consultants and service-based businesses. And I know a lot of people who are trying to get that business going or trying to get that business up into the six figures are really struggling, especially now there's like, it's hard to go out networking. It's hard to kind of do the traditional things that you thought you need to do. And so I teach, uh, I teach how you can automate getting leads. Uh, so you, you can go and you can choose where you're at. You can choose if you're, uh, you know, in that, in, in the kind of like beginner stage or the trying to get to six figure stage, you can watch that and I'll show you how to automate leads and getting more leads to your business and how to build your brand stronger. And if you're on the other side of the stuff that I was talking about, where you want to get your time back, you're feeling a little overwhelmed and overworked, then I have a webinar that'll take you through a cool process called the download that'll help you do a little audit on your business and help you figure out where some of your best leverage points are right now. So you can start implementing that. And then after watching either one of those, uh, there's an opportunity that if you'd like to speak with me and talk to me, uh, talk with me about working with me one-on-one, you'll have the opportunity to do that. So you can just go to help me, Christine, and that's spelled with C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E dot com backslash Bevin, and you can sign up for either one of those. Again, so much value. I'm actually very excited about these webinars. <laughs> you said you had a gift. I didn't know what they were, and now I'm so excited about it. This is awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and also, now we know that uh, when you're signing up to talk to Christine, it's on specific days. It is. She's going to be on. <laughs> I will be there hundred percent, but if you try and get me on the phone a different day. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Exactly. No Sundays. Yeah, no Sundays. I, um, oh, that's awesome. I had a client tell me just this week, one of my, uh, she's like a coaching slash Reiki client. And she was like, you work too much. You need a Saturday. <laughs> 
And I was like, wow, that's not, that's my job to tell you. Like, <laughs> but I keep- It's bad when they're like sassying you back. They're like hey, telling you what to do. You're like, wait, that is not the dynamic of this. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take her advice. I'll take a Saturday one of these, one of these, maybe even on actual Saturday, but probably Friday. Um, I'll take, I'll take a Saturday. Yeah. Any day, just take a day. Yeah. I just got to unpack my house is really the thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christine, thank you so much. This was amazing. So much value in this hour. And like, I, I hope that anybody out there who feels like connected to uh, Christine reaches out and like helps to get their time back and you know and make their dreams come true because like sometimes you just need help like just getting you up that mountain getting up those next steps like because there's a lot of emotional work that goes into entrepreneurship that we don't really talk about that like you need help you need someone who can be there to help you evaluate your experience and like validate you yeah yeah totally yeah. totally I agree well, thank you, Bevan. I, I, this has been so much fun to chat with you. I feel like it's been forever since we, we chatted very much. and It's been great. I know. It's great. I love this. I love this so much. So anyway, yay, more soon. Thank you, Christine. Uh, okay, awkward goodbye. We're just going to end it now. <laughs> All right, bye, everyone.